Welcome back, everybody, to your next episode of the Mindful You podcast. My name is Alan Carroll. I am your host. And today's guest, today's guest is Robin. And Robin has an interesting story. And as most mindfulness people seem to uh, start from sufferings. Things didn't go well in their childhood, and they had a lot of ups and downs emotionally and mentally, which makes them feel that, is there something else? Is there some way of reducing the suffering? Is there some way of experiencing more presence and joyfulness in my circumstances and activities? Are there ways for me to be happier? mentally, physically, and emotionally. And so that motivated Robin to start her journey. And she describes one of the programs that she really got excited about, and she started to teach it. And it's a way of protecting yourself psychologically from all those influences outside yourself, those blocks and those barriers. And she calls it a shielding, a shielding system. So I'm excited to introduce you to Robin. And please welcome her to the Mindful You podcast. Thank you very much. Robin, welcome to the Mindful You podcast. Thank you. I'm excited to have the opportunity to speak with you. And for my audience, I'd like you to introduce yourself to the audience, a little bit of your background, a little bit of how you were, how you got on the mindfulness path, the mindfulness journey, the, the, the transformation of consciousness. And then we'll move into maybe some of the, the things that you're doing now in order to develop those, those muscles for yourself and for, and for the world. So we'll start with just a little bit of your background. Robin. Sure. Well, I came from one of those families that was dysfunctional with capital D. <laughs> My mom That's cute. <laughs> she was, yeah, she was suicidal. First time I remember I was four years old uh, when she tried to kill herself. And my dad was an alcoholic, rageaholic, abuser. And my way of dealing with it was to stay really quiet. I, you know, delved into books. My mom and I left when I was six and we lived with other families. So I had exposure to lots of different settings of different people. And I was always curious, why did people do what they do? Like, and why are some people aware and other people aren't? And I remember having conversations with myself at a really young age around these things. So you know, I went into psychology and counseling. I trained in conflict resolution. And then I had cancer, breast cancer, 23 years ago this year. And that really opened up the can of worms of emotions because that's the part I hadn't dealt with. 
I knew all these things intellectually, but I hadn't done that deeper work that I'd really pushed down to be able to function in the world. And so I spent six months on my sofa and I just went deep into that feeling of, you know, being in those really tough places where I wasn't allowed to be myself. I wasn't allowed to be curious. I wasn't allowed to do anything that I really wanted. You know, financially, I loved music and I was so jealous of the other kids that learned to play piano or different things. And um, so I really felt that I didn't get to be who I was. And so then with that cancer journey, I came out of those six months. I was coming back into the workplace. I worked in a large organization, over a thousand people, a lot of stressed out people. We worked with people who were injured on the job. And I thought, how can I be around all these stressed out people? And I met a woman at a wine, cheese and tarot card reading party. And she said, I took a class where you get shields. So you're not taking on other people's energy. And when I know something, I know something. So I jumped in the next week and I felt better in the first week. The course is four weeks. You get two energy shields. You get a grounding and a shielding system. And so I became a teacher of this. So now I teach adults and children this system. And I continue to grow in the energy system. And it's quite a unique system. So from there, I started to learn what was mine and what was someone else's as far as feelings and all of those different things. So I really started to get more in alignment and connected to who I was instead of always having to be the chameleon to fit in and feel safe. And through that, I started to get more independent. I got more tired of the bureaucracy and then finally was able to leave early due to the number of years of service. And then I learned about the motivational map, which I love and the clarity that brought. I saw where those internal conflicts were and it's partly based on the Enneagram. So I've been doing the really deep dive with the Enneagram work, which is a psycho-spiritual system that helped me to really bring the spiritual and that humanity, the practical together to see that lens of the world, why I did things and to build more kindness and compassion for myself and other people. So that's kind of where I am today, where I'm working with the Enneagram, the motivational map, the meditation and healing system. I do some numerology as well. So it's interesting, all these number things that come into play because there's so many um, universal laws. Right. And so this is something in the Enneagram, we talk a lot about triads and this number nine that comes up. We have it with several of the systems I use, but it's universal law. And so all of these systems connect in certain ways. And I find that fascinating. Right. You could say that there's everything is connected. There's only one being, one love, one, one energy, although the perception is there's a you and a me. Um, and as you talk about the different techniques you're using, it sounds like you are discovering something, I'll call it beyond the ego, 
that there's a space of beingness that everybody shares, a universal sense of beingness, and it's available to everybody. As a matter of fact, it's already there. And all you got to do is get on your sofa for, for six months and, and allow yourself to just get, get lost, dissolve the thoughts, dissolve the thoughts. I, you, you talked about shielding. You said it a few times and it's a, uh, I, I like that word. I, I'm not. I'm not sure what it means, but I, I like the idea of being able to uh, protect yourself. Uh, and I, the, the word "shield" means to me you're protecting yourself. I'd like you just to talk a little bit about it because it had significance in your world, and it might have significance in the listeners' world also. Yeah. So the system that I teach, we actually as teachers shift your vibration over the four weeks. And so when we can shift that vibrational consciousness, we learn to bring in the universal energy. We learn to bring up that grounding energy. And so with that shield, then bring in a shield of love. And so then we have an energetic boundary. So then we can learn what's going on with me separate from other people. Because we're all energetic sponges. You know, I get... A little bit annoyed with all this empathetic stuff. I'm an empath. Well, we all are to a certain degree. It's whether we accept or have that awareness about it. So we all have this ability to say, wow, yeah, I'm really noticing that maybe I'm going to a party or somewhere. I feel great before I go. I get there and all of a sudden... Within 15 minutes, I'm not feeling so good. But I think that's me. And it's maybe someone else I'm picking up. So the energy shield, which is light and love, is a way to allow the love in and keep the negativity out. And even with the kids course, I draw a bubble. And then I have the hearts coming through. And then I have the arrows bouncing off that little bubble that I show them that they can bring up. So even with the kids, we do a gentler increase in their vibration. And it gives them the sense of, I actually have choice. And we've sit, seen kids stand up to bullies. And it also brings in a better communication tool between the parent and the child. So one of the parents has to come and they learn the system. So... And it's the same with the adults. It's just kind of a mini version. But it's ways to be able to build that communication with ourselves and then with others. So it's like when I feel safe and energized and not feeling drained by other people, then I have so much more success in my life and that ability to know what's important to me. You mentioned, uh, Robin, the word choice. And I find that most people don't have a choice. That choice involves observation. And most people can't can't observe because they can't let go of something which blocking which is blocking them from from responding. And so if you can't respond, then then you react to what's going on. Um, and so when you talk about choice, to me, that's very, in, that's a very important uh, a level of awareness that most people 
I don't have a choice. This is the way it is. You know, there's that immediate reaction to it. And is that what you're talking about when I'm talking about choice? Yeah, it's learning the different ways. And so that awareness, like you say, it's like it can start very small. Just having, you know, some cliche things, they come from a truthful place, like just having a breath. So when I trained in conflict resolution and we talked about anger, so many people don't realize that they have choice before that reaction. If they just take that moment to start to notice what's going on in their body. And so we learn to see our way of having that come up. Like I'm a real stomach person, for example. So I'll feel that tension in the stomach rising. And it's like, oh, I feel that coming up. So can I let that feeling come up and just wash through? Because one of the things that I find people are afraid of is if we go into this emotional stew or mix, I'm never going to get out the other side. And that was one of my fears. And I'm through, so I can attest we can get through it. And if we allow the emotion to come up, it usually only lasts about 60 to 90 seconds. And so when we can let that wash over and have that breath, it's like, oh, I can see I have choice. When we're in stress, breath is the only thing we have any choice over. And so that's the biggest thing. It's like, wow, now I can actually take a moment to say, maybe I need to get out of this situation. Maybe I need to ask for a timeout. If I'm in the workplace or something, maybe I just need to go to the washroom and and take a moment to um, settle myself before I come back and not overreact and maybe put my job on the line. You know, we see this, right? People get angry and it's like, I'm not taking this anymore. They're gone. And then they're in survival mode. And what can we learn? What can we do in survival mode? We can, because then the old part of the brain kicks in and we don't have that choice. So it's about learning what are my ways of noticing that. And with the Enneagram system, we have a centering practice. So I do that along with my meditation. So it's like two minutes breathing into the belly center, two minutes into the heart center, two minutes into the head center, and then a minute noticing that connection to all three. So when we can center in all of our three centers, because we all have one that we prefer, we can start to bring that in and then not just come from that one place. Ooh, it's nice. It's nice. I like the idea of taking your attention and shifting it off of the thoughts, the the monkey mind that's going on inside your head and say, okay, right now in this moment, I'm going to take two minutes and I'm going to focus on my, my solar plexus. I guess I, I, I call it my stomach area, two inches. And then my heart, you said my the stomach, the heart, the, and, and, the head. and the head, and then, and then how all three are connected. Just three, yeah. Just noticing how they support each other and noticing our preference. So often we have two that we go between. So I might go head emotion and I leave out the body or, you know, some other combination, depending on our type structure. But there's there's a pattern to all of this. And by shifting your attention from the thoughts into your body, 
in my in my experience, uh, the the body, the, the 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 monkey mind, or the energy, or the anxiety begins to settle, calm, less agitation, more clarity. No, everything seems to be. But the challenge for me and for other people probably is you have to be awake in order to observe what's going on in your body and your emotions and your mind. And my observation is the ego is not awake. The ego is operating on automatic. It's, it doesn't, it doesn't uh, have that, have that uh, luxury of letting go of my position in order to relax my body. I will not let go of my position, Robin, because I'm right and you're wrong and you better. And, and so in the midst of the chaos, oh, I'm going to relax now because then I'd have to, then I'd have to give up something that's real important to me. And I'm not willing to give that up. I'm going to hold on to that. And I, I, I and I think you're talking about letting go of things and surrendering and uh, I'll call it, I'll use the word giving up or letting go. Is that true? Yes. And I like to be very practical and remind people that, you know, this is why we have to shower every day. We forget ourselves again and again and again. So allowing that shame to come up, and this is what stops us from creating these better patterns for ourselves, like people who want to do the centering practice every day or their meditation. It's like, it's okay. This is part of what we do as humans. But so often we make it wrong. It's like, well, I might as well give up because I forgot a day. You know, we see this with people and their eating plans and these healthier ways of being. They give it all up. But it's like, this is normal. Let's, you know, forget it and be okay with it and allow these feelings that are uncomfortable. So, yeah, I feel some shame. I promised to do something I didn't. I promise that to myself. So am I going to value myself enough to say it's okay yes. and let that go, that judgment of myself, right? We're our biggest, harshest critics. And it's like when we can bring that kindness in and say, yeah, I forgot. And I can do it now or I can do it again in the morning or, you know, um, maybe today I have a schedule where I need to fit it in somewhere else. You know, most people can find seven minutes. Um, with the meditation training, we ask for more upfront when we're first building those new neural pathways. But the good news is, right, neuroplasticity, we can learn at any age. And we need to bring in that kindness and compassion. And let's just do it. So I know I see the results in other people. And this is often how we see people coming into the meditation course, their friends take it. They notice that shift in them and it's like, yeah, I want that too. So are we going to allow ourselves to do the same old, same old? Are we going to deal with the resistance? Because that's the biggest piece we deal with, with the meditation with people, the resistance. And that's what you're saying, the ego, right? Right. The ego is, uh, this shouldn't be. Whatever's going on in my reality this should not be. I'm not allowing whatever's going on to be. I'm I'm judging it. Um, and uh, so that's, I'm very much involved in understanding the resistance based on my own experience of resisting. Before we go, I just have to ask you to talk a little bit about dream coaching. 
because I'm a psychologist guy and dreams are part of the game. And so coaching on dreams is pretty cool. So could you just talk a little bit about that before we before we complete? Yeah, I love dreams. I've been doing a dream journal my first year of college, actually, even before I was um, I've always been interested in the esoteric and the weird stuff. I was learning to astral travel when I was a teenager and sure. all these things. So, um, And with a psychology background, did a lot of reading on Jung and, and the universal symbols. He's my guy. Symbols. Jung's, Jung's my yeah. guy. And so in the meditation course, we have an active style and we give you tools for remembering your dreams and for dream interpretation, which is amazing. And it's all on the archetype. And then the dream coaching is what is that dream I want for myself? So it's a process we go through to look at the different aspects of bringing that dream in for ourselves. And because I've done a lot of work with dreams, I can help you with the the alive ones or the unconscious ones and help you bring that out so you know it's maybe just learning to dream again for some people who have been stuck in this kind of uh pattern of just doing things for everyone else like I was stuck in and learning that yeah I'm important I'm a value and I'm going to bring that dream for myself alive again wonderful Robin, people hear our conversation today and they say, wow, Robin has lots of cool stuff. How do I connect with Robin? What are some of the ways people can reach out to you and connect with you? Sure. I'm on um, LinkedIn, Facebook, and the website, because I'm in Canada, is alifeofchoice.ca. And there's a couple of chapters of books on there and um, also have a meditation for relationships. I can give you the link to that. You can add to the show notes if you'd like. Perfect. Perfect. Well, Robin, I want to thank you very much for being on the mindful you podcast and sharing some of your wisdom and some of your experiences that you've experienced on your personal journey and your sharing your personal journey was very, very nice. I want to thank you very much. And on behalf of my guest and the audience, I want to thank you for being on the Mindful You podcast. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening. And please catch us on the next great episode of the Mindful You podcast. And please share us with your friends and fellow travelers on the path.